Welcome to episode eight of Emotional Mastery Podcast. And uh, today is January 21st, and I'm on my way to my office. As usual, when I am talking uh, on my podcast. And today, I wanted to talk about how you can have the most amazing relationship with your significant other ever. Sounds crazy, right? Um, I, well, to start out with, I'm on my third husband, so I kind of know a thing or two about it from personal experience. And just little tips and tricks I've picked up in almost my 50 years traveling around the sun. And I want to share that with you. And I can guarantee you, uh, if you have a partner that's willing and loves you just as much as you love them, and you implement the things that I'm going to tell you, your relationship with your partner will be better than 99% of everyone you know. Well, let's say 95, because there's always a couple people that you know that at least seem to have like the most perfect relationship. Um, if you're going by, you know, fairly intimate knowledge of, of your friends and family. So let me talk about a little bit about where I think I get my experience from. Number one, I've been married three times. First husband, I was really, really young and then I blew it off with him And I think he was the reason, you know, and I, I cared for him and I did have some love for him, uh, but I don't know if I was really in love with him. I was young and we moved out of our parents, you know, or I got away from both of my parents' clutches and was able to move out of state and far, far away. So he was a very nice man. Um, we have been in contact within the last year of which I felt I needed to address the way that I left him a very long time ago, because I also believe part of my integrity is, you know, what you put out into the world, you get back. And if I'm going to preach to people about relationships and doing the right thing that I needed to go back and revisit my first relationship, because I had to make amends for the way that I left him. And I did. I sent him an email or it was a messenger. It was was contact. And I told him that I love him and I appreciated him. And he was a good man, is a good man. And that I hope he's happy and that life has given him all that he deserves. And that if I hurt him by the way that I left, I am truly sorry. It was not my intention. I didn't have the tools back then to be more appropriate in the ending of our relationship And that if he suffered any harm at my hands because of that, that I am deeply and truly sorry. And I hope someday he can forgive me. Um, And that's basically what I said out to him. And I didn't do anything horrible. I just basically came home one day and said, I'm not happy and I don't want to be together anymore. And I left. There was no explanation. There was no long drawn out anything. I went back six months later and had him sign divorce papers and we were done. He cried when I left. He cried over the divorce papers. I was not, I didn't show empathy other than to tell him that I cared about him and that I was sorry, but I don't think it was truly as heartfelt as it should have been. And that's why I apologized to him. And he responded that we were both young 
and he had no hard feelings whatsoever and that he is happy and that he's glad that I am happy and he wishes me nothing but the best. And it was an amazing exchange. So there was no harm, no foul there. Second relationship, I thought he was the one uh, and come to find out he was extremely selfish and self-centered and closed off. And looking back on it now, to me, that was actually kind of an emotional abuse to me in withholding. When you have one person saying, what can we do to make this better? I love you. I just want you to love me back. Do we need to go to therapy? And the other person is saying, no, 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 it's me. I'll take care of it. It's not you. Only to find out after you guys divorced that he admittedly said that he was selfish and self-centered and wanted me back. Um, but that he was never physically attracted to me amongst some other things, which made me go, really? So good to know, good to know 10 years after the fact or 10 years into a relationship, instead of just letting me go and moving on and hurting me short term, he said that his emotional connection to me was too strong that he didn't want to give me up. Uh, so that's why I call it an emotional abuse when you know something isn't right, but you're not letting someone go because they stroke your ego and they know you better than anybody else. And they're your best friend is not an excuse to maintain a loving physical marriage to someone just because you don't want to lose a friend. I could have still been his best friend if he'd agreed to let me go to find someone that could truly love me in the way that I fucking deserved to be loved. Excuse me not getting upset. <laughs> I got spit stuck in my throat. <clears> throat. So I have absolutely no feelings for that person anymore at all. Uh, and I would like to have nothing to do with him. I don't wish him harm. Uh, but I would probably walk right by him on the street because I don't feel that he deserves anything from me after, you know, just keeping me around for a few years because he wanted a buddy. Uh, that's not how love works. So, or relationship should work. That's how a friendship should work, but not, not someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with. So those are my two relationships in a nutshell. Um, that second one ended in 2010, end of 2010. So that was nine years ago, 10 years ago, almost over it. I now have the most perfect husband for me that I could ever hope to have. And, uh, I also am a huge fan of psychology and have taken a lot of classes and I followed people on social media, like what is it? Matthew Hussey and you know, some of the other relationship gurus out there. I'm going to talk about love languages at the very end of this, which I do think are important. So one of my caveats to this is you should at least Google the love languages and read about them. If not actually support the author and just suck it up and get his book on audio or physical, because it's just a great book to have for you and your partner, because if they don't understand you, that book can really help them. And it would be worth, you know, the digital download. And if your partner loves you, it would be worth the read for them to give you that attention. So love languages, get it, just do it, call it a day. Uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I didn't read the whole thing. I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> but one of the things that's a major takeaway from that is in, in at least the first half of the book. So I'm going to touch on that as well. So as you can tell, 
I believe in personal development. A lot of my podcast is about personal development. So I read a lot. I read a lot about relationships, about just growing as a human, all of these things. So my two, now three marriages and my personal development and the gurus that I follow online, all of these led me to this hodgepodge of what I believe is the best system of having your relationship be the absolute best. Um, now the only, again, other caveat to that is you have to be in a relationship with someone who loves you as much as you love them and values you as much as you do them and wants to work on having that relationship with you as well as you do. Because people will say, I want to do all the things and my partner doesn't want to do them. Well, if your partner truly loves you and wants to have a lasting relationship, they will do the things. If not, then you, my friends, have to ask yourself the bigger question. Either you will have to settle for your partner not giving as much as you're willing to give, or you will have some serious decisions to make. Now, I know some friends of mine that have settled in their relationship. And that's, I guess, is okay. But then you cannot complain about your relationship if you're agreeing to settle for less than what you deserve. I hope that, you know, really comes across as strongly as I intended. So let's assume that you are in a relationship with someone that loves you as much as you love them. And let's assume that they want to be in a relationship with you and have it grow and thrive and be all the things and do all the things. That being said, they don't have to take a very active role. Just take a couple of takeaways from you where if you discover that there's a love language issue and you can say to them, Hey, I read this book on love languages, or I listened to this podcast on love languages and I appreciate all that you do for me, but I think you're trying to give me a love language that you enjoy Uh, But this is actually my love language, and these are the things that speak to me. So we'll get into that at the end. But what do you need to do? Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Uh, Just crib note version is that men and women actually think and are differently in relationships than the other. Men don't think about relationships the way we do as women, and women don't think about relationships the way men do. That's just facts. Um... First and foremost, to have a long-lasting relationship, number one, communication. You have to be able to talk to your partner about everything. Everything that's going on in your life, everything that's going on with your body, everything that's going on with your family, your friends, your politics, your religion, you have to be able to talk to that person. They don't always have to agree with you but they have to listen. They have to want to communicate. They have to want to understand. And you want, they want to have to compromise with you as well as you compromising with them in order to be happy. So communication is number one. If you are not communicating and agreeing to communicate about everything, it is not going to work. That's first and foremost. Two, having the same beliefs about religion and politics for the most part are extremely helpful. Can you make it if your partner is super religious and you are super atheist? Yes. But I think it's rare. Um, You have to agree on some of the really, really important stuff. 
So that's second. And third, you have to treat your partner as if the relationship you have with them is the most important relationship on the universe. And that is even above your children. Now, I know I'm going to get some pushback from that because when you have kids, you got to sacrifice. No, you don't. Because if mom and dad aren't happy and together, where does that leave your kids, guys? That could lead you down the road to divorce. And then what do you got? Then you have children that have to have separate homes and do all the things. And let's not even get into that. So if your relationship isn't protected and isn't the most important thing, because let's face it, you have kids for 18 to 25 years and then they're gone, not from your life or from your heart, but they have their own life to live. They have their own worlds to accomplish. And what are you left with? You're left with the partner that you started with. And now you don't even know this person or like this person because you've put all of your intimacy into your children and your friends and your, your book club and, and your neighborhood gossip and all of that garbage instead of the person that you go to sleep with every single night. So my husband takes precedent over everything and everyone, including my business. Um, so they have to be the most important person in your world facts. So that's number three. Um, and then I'm going to get into kind of the tips and tricks on this is for women because I'm a woman in case you haven't noticed. We have an extra special responsibility in a relationship because even if you're in the same sex relationship, that's fine because you're both women um, or both men. I'm not discounting you guys, but I don't know that I can speak to your dynamic because I, I don't live it. Um, so I'm definitely talking to women in relationships right now. You are, you can control your whole relationship. You have the power to do it. You can't place blame on your husband when you have the ability to control the narrative in your home. And I don't mean for the powers of evil. I mean it for the powers of good, but you can lead the way to having the best relationship that you've ever had in your life by doing a couple things. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And if you're in a same sex relationship with another woman, some of this stuff does apply. Just tweak it for your world. Your man, men are very simple. They need to feel loved, needed, wanted, and desired. And that their opinion is valuable. All of those things. I know some of them are redundant, but I'm just saying. Your man needs to know that he is loved every single day. That his opinion is valued every single day. And that he is important to the sustainability of your household every single day. I wake up every morning next to my husband and the first words out of my mouth are, good morning, I love you, and I appreciate you, or I am thankful for you every single day. When something major goes on in my life, I don't call my girlfriend, I don't call my mom, I don't call anybody, I call my husband. I don't post anything on social media until my husband knows about it. Meaning a major life event or occurrence or something I'm excited about. Not typical posts. I'm not being ridiculous. 
He is number one in my life and he knows it. He knows I go to him with everything first. And he is the person that knows first when I've made a decision about something, even if the advice that he gave me, I'm not going to go with and I'll explain to him why. He knows that I go to him with everything. I tell him I love him multiple times a day. I show him I love him in the ways that are important to him. And I tell him that I value his input and that I appreciate that he, I call my husband the big piece of chicken. Go check out Chris Rock. It's a comedy thing. You know, in neighborhoods, the man always gets the biggest piece of chicken. So I call him my big piece of chicken. He always gets first dibs. He always takes precedent. He is the man of the house and I treat him as such. Now, feminists, don't get your little panties in a wad. I'm a bigger feminist than you are. But part of the male psyche that is ingrained in millions of years in the male species is the provider. He may be a stay-at-home husband, but he still has to feel as though he is the man of the house. Do not emasculate your man. If you emasculate him, it's the beginning of the end of your relationship. Don't believe me? That's fine. I'm telling you if you want to have the best relationship ever, just pay attention, ladies. So it's really that easy. And I try to put his physical needs, I don't want to say above anything, but they have priority. Do I always feel like I want to be as physically intimate as he does? No. But it is very important to me that my husband feels valued and taken care of. So yes, there are times when even though I am not in the mood, I make my husband happy. It's not a sacrifice. It's not, believe me, I'm not, you know, a little wallflower that's going to cry in a corner because I took care of my man. At the end of the day, it's about my husband being happy and my husband being valued and my husband being loved. And in return for me doing all the things, what I get back from him is 12 fold. When I come home and he washes the dishes, but didn't wipe down the kitchen counter, a lot of women would holler. You can't even wipe down the kitchen counter. There's water all over the place. What the hell? No. I walk in the door, babe, you did dishes for me. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate that. That is one less thing that I had to think about when I got home today. And then I just wipe up the counter. But you know what, ladies, if he gets home before I do, and there's dishes in the sink, I don't have to ever do them. Trust me when I tell you. So all of these little things are super, super important. So I control the narrative in my house. Women, you know you have your ways. If there's something that I want my husband to do or to help me out with, there are ways over the course of a period of time that I can say certain things that still make my husband feel important and valued. And yeah, maybe he'll wind up thinking that the idea was his to begin with. I'm okay with that because our household is happy and I get everything that I need because I feel like I'm the most important woman in his life and I'm not hurting him. I'm not treating him poorly. I'm taking care of my husband. That's basically how to have the best relationship ever. Now I know 
If you feel like coming at me and you want to pick something apart, you can. But I'm just telling you all of these things work. All of them work and they take little or no effort from you. Oh, men are also very direct. He's not going to read your mind as to what he should do around the house or the things that he should or shouldn't be doing. You have to be forthcoming. Honey, when you get home today, can you go and grab the laundry out of the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da? When you are on your way home today, can you stop and get this exact brand of ketchup? Men are very specific. You have to be specific. If you're complaining because your partner didn't do the thing that you wanted him to do or expected him to do, I suggest you go back and look at your actions and ask yourself, was I specific enough? And don't say I shouldn't have to be. He is not a woman's mind. He is a man's mind. My husband has the best of intentions. He gets sidetracked. He forgets. He gets the brand that he thinks would save money or that he wanted to try instead of just what I specifically wanted. So if you have an expectation for your male partner, you have to lay it all out and don't leave anything open to interpretation. And you can do that politely and with love, whether it's, honey, please make sure you get, when you get ketchup, get Heinz, because that's just the one that I really like. He'll do it. And if he decides he wants to try something else because it's cheaper or whatever, he'll probably get that one too, but he'll at least get you what you want. And I know I'm using grocery lists as an example, but it's the easiest thing I can come up with on the top of my head. So all of those things that actually women need to do in relationships will just make it so that you have the best relationship possible. Another woman is not going to be able to tell you how to treat your man. You have to do that yourself. And no two men are the same. Some of them are a little bit more progressive. And some of the things I'm talking about you may not have to do or they innately do. That's awesome. I am just telling you at the base of it all, men need to feel loved, needed, and important. Period. Those are the three main things. Now, as far as my ladies... Love languages. The other thing that's very important is love languages. We are raised watching our families show love to each other in the form of expressions, different types of expressions. You know, when you were growing up, <coughs> even if it wasn't a two-parent fam- two household, um, you know, we all watch Valentine's Day shit, don't we? You know, when Valentine's Day comes, you get chocolates and hearts and cards. And when birthdays come, you get flowers and all of these things. These are all expressions of love, correct? You watch your dad bring home XYZ for your mom as a gift. So when, or you watch your mom bring home XYZ to your dad as a gift. And that establishes a trend for what you do when you're in relationships. And I'm telling you, it's wrong. Take everything that you've ever seen, all of the commercials that say that you should go out to K Jewelers or just go to Jared or get Pandora for a woman or diamonds or chocolate every Valentine's Day. Stop. If you're a man, listen to me as well. Stop, stop, stop. There are love languages that every person as an adult human has. 
and they're one of five things. So I'm giving you the crib note version of the book, but go and get the book. The first one is words of affirmation. I'm going to go through them quickly. Words of, there's five. Words of affirmation, time, gifts, service, and touch. You have one or two of these love languages that if you do not receive them, you do not feel loved. People can say, well, I want all five of those things. Well, what are they? Words of affirmation. That in order to feel loved, you need to hear, I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you so much for doing this. You're an amazing human being. Oh, your ass is awesome. Your chest pecs are banging. Those are words of affirmation. Or you want time, meaning, can I take you for a walk? Let's go and spend some time together. Can we go to the movies? Can we go out to dinner? Spending time together. And it doesn't necessarily have to be going out and spending money. It could be, let's go for a walk and talk. I'm going to give you my time. Attention. Personal one-on-one attention. Gifts. You are that person that in order to feel loved, you want flowers and a teddy bear. You want someone, your husband, to bring you home that shirt that you saw that you didn't want to spend the money on. Or the thing that was in the office supply store that you didn't want to to buy for yourself. Gifts. Actual gifts. Acts of service. Well, yeah, he brings me home flowers and stuff, but all I wanted him to do was mow the lawn. You know what? If he just did a dish around here or did laundry every once in a while, yeah, it'd be great if he took my car for an oil change every now and again. If acts of service are important to you and if you don't get them, you don't feel loved. The other one is the last one is touch. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about he never wants to hold my hand. I go to put my arm around him and he tells me that his back hurts. You know, I just wish that when I was doing dishes, he would come up and grab my ass. I wish he would cop a feel every now and again. I wish he would just grab me by the junk. I wish he gave me, my husband calls it itchy time, where you just sit and itch someone, tickle someone's back. Touch. So these love languages, think about it for yourself right now. What are the one or two things that you find yourself needing in order to feel loved. I can tell you mine. Mine is words of affirmation. And um, I would probably say acts of service. So my husband bringing home flowers, I think is the sweetest thing ever. But if he never brought me home another flower, I wouldn't think that he didn't love me. But if he stops telling me that he loves me, or if he stops doing little things. Well, maybe it's not acts of service now that I think about it. Mine actually might be a little bit of touch, maybe torn in between touch and acts of service. Like I like it when someone gooses me and and likes to hold my hand and things like that. So yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with words of affirmation and touch are my two love languages that if he stopped doing them at some point, I would be like, I don't think you love me anymore because you don't do these things. Then once you know yours, that's half the battle, right? Then you have to go to your partner and everything I just did, you have to ask them or have them read the book because you may be doing things for your husband 
like telling him you love him all the time, calling him all the time, texting him all the time, like doing all of those words of affirmation things. But his love language is completely different. He wants to go out and spend time with you, or he wants you to go to the gym with him, or he wants to take go to the movies and have you come with him, or do more things with his friends, and you're not doing them. So what? once you find out what each other's love languages are, you ask each other to work on those love languages a little bit each day. Now, gifts, he's not going to buy you something every single day. That could be more of a little token, but it could be a 99-cent card once a week or a candy bar or your favorite treat if you're on a special diet. You know what I mean? Things like that. So knowing each other's love languages and feeding them is kind of the final key to all of this. So if your partner... And I know I talked about same-sex couples a little bit, but a lot of this stuff still applies. The love languages still applies. Um, You know, finding out what's important to your partner as a man or a woman uh, is, is huge. And like I said, men need to feel important, loved, and needed. Women have different, I can't remember what the women (laughs) needs are in men are from Mars, women are from Venus, but... I think one of them is that they're listened to, you know, like, I just want to vent to him. I don't want his opinion. See, men are fix it. When you vent to them, they want to fix it. So if you just want to vent, you have to say, please don't give me an answer. I just need to get all of this off my chest. So they want to be listened to. They want to be loved. And there's one other thing, like they want to be feel beautiful or something like that. So feed your woman what she needs and you can do men are from Mars, women are from Venus to look at those three things in depth. I know I'm being a little vague and I apologize, but find what's important to a man and to a woman and to your man or your woman and do the things because at the end of the day, guys, marriage is a verb. It is not a noun. You have to actively feed it every single day. It's also like a bank account. You have to put in more deposits than withdrawals. So you have to feed your partner with more love than you expect to get in return. And you will get more than you expect in return. Does that make sense? But if you keep feeding, that was the problem with my second relationship. I kept feeding the bank and he kept making deposits and I went, or withdrawals and I went bankrupt. I kept feeding. I was giving 110%. I doted. I did all of the things. I told him I loved him all the time, did all the things. And he kept taking those deposits because he could until eventually I was bankrupt. So that even by the time our relationship was over and I had moved on, not in another relationship, just moved on with my life without him in it, six or eight months later, when I had lost weight and I was looking a lot hotter, uh, but to me, I should be hot to my husband regardless, but whatever. When I was looking four sizes smaller and more physically active and thriving is when, guess what? I was so selfish. I was taking more than I was giving. If you'll consider me again, I'll never do that again. I will treat you the way you deserve. And I almost bought it, guys. I almost bought it. And then 
I went back and someone very important to me said, he had 10 years to show you those things. Are you sure you want to go back into a situation where for 10 years that happened? Where's your, where's your guarantee that after six months that he's just not going to fall back into the same. And I decided that I was worth more than a trial period again. So I put a very high expectation on my relationships going forward. And now I have the most perfect husband for me that I could ever possibly have. We are a great team. We travel together. Our political and religious views are on point. He educates me. He's smarter than I am. So he helps me work on the things that I need to work on. And I give him balance in other ways. He raises the bar for me, but I soften some of the other things about him. Oh, and please, guys, don't think you can change your partner because you can't. They're a fully formed human that have probably taken these 20, 25, or 40 or more years to become the person that they are. They may alter minor things about themselves to be cohesive in a relationship with you, but at the end of the day, if your partner is a couch potato, he's not going to become a triathlete unless he desires that. You can't force someone to go against who they've become. You can ask them to go for walks with you <clears throat> or to be a little bit more physically active, but they're never going to join you on the marathon circuit if they've never had a desire to jog and just because they're married to you. It's not going to happen. So bear all of these little things in mind that I've said. I know it may sound like a lot, so go back and listen again. Take a couple notes. You can trash some of it, but I'm telling you, if you follow kind of what I said throughout this episode, you will find yourself in the best relationship possible. And if you can't do all of these things with the current partner than you have, that you have, then you've got one or two choices. You're either going to have to settle for less than you deserve, and I know a lot of people that do it and, you know, do what you got to do, boo. Or you have a decision to make. And I'm sorry. So I hope this was helpful. Check out Women Are From Mars, Men Are From Venus, because I do believe that there's value there. And dig deeper into the five love languages. I will put some information in the podcast notes about the authors and, and the books, but you can Google both of those things super easy and it's worth it for your relationship. Um, the other, only other book that I could ever recommend, I can't think of the full name of it right now, but it's like why good men cheat or something. Um, because I, I came across something on social media that said all men cheat and that's just false. So if you want to get into the psyche, because I know relationships are crazy and someone may have cheated on someone and it's generally because something's lacking in the relationship, unless they're just the type of person that never should be in a committed relation anyway, because they want to play the field. They thought they could do it and it didn't work out. You need to get rid of those people. But the ones that cheated because there was something missing in their relationship or they didn't feel they could make a change. If you're in a relationship with someone like that and they love you and they want to make it work, something was just lacking. You guys have a lot to work on. You can overcome it, but that book is really good for that. Um... So I hope I kind of covered all of the things. I would love some feedback on this because relationships are uber important to me. And it's something that I'd really like to even do workshops and stuff on eventually because I think in relationships, we let outside influences 
affect our relationships way too much. And nothing anybody says to me about my relationship is more important than what my husband and I say to each other. Because at the end of the day, nobody knows mine and my husband's relationship better than we do. Because even my BFF only knows the shit that I tell her. And some of her shit may be jaded because of her own life. Trust me when I tell you that. Um, You also will have people that don't have good relationships trying to give you advice on yours or making you feel that you're not doing something right because they're judging you when they actually have no right to judge your relationship. So bear all that in mind, which is why I say that your partner should be the most important person in your world, not your friends, because they're not looking out for your best interest a lot of the times. They have their own biases, and don't get me wrong, I think they have the best of intentions, but unless you have a really woke person that can see all of their own flaws and just guide you to be the best human for you, there's some bias based on their own life and what you've told them about your relationship. So just bear that in mind, guys, okay? So take care of your partner. They are the person that you're going to put your head down with every night to go to bed, and they should feel as though they're the most important in your world every single fucking day, guys. Okay? Thank you for listening to this episode eight, I believe I said, of Emotional Mastery Podcast on how to have the best relationship ever. And I truly believe this. Give it a shot for a month. Do all the things I mentioned and give me your feedback. So take care. Pay it forward. Treat others the way they want to be treated and just be a good human, okay? Have a great rest of your week.